everyone. Welcome to the Career Happiness Podcast. My name's Soma. I am a careers advisor and the career happiness mentor. During this podcast, we are going to be looking at what it takes to be career happy. We're going to be exploring what it's like to have your version of career happiness and speaking to some really, really awesome women who are defining and creating their own portfolio careers and their version of career happiness. So please sit back, enjoy and soak up all the wisdom that's coming your way. Welcome to episode 24 of the Career Happiness Podcast. So in this week's episode, we are going to be talking with Lizzie Benton. And Lizzie Benton has a really, really interesting business, which she's going to tell you much more about um, during this episode. But one of the things I love about Lizzie so much is we are definitely on a similar wavelength. We're very passionate about helping um, people in the workplace be happier, feel more comfortable, feel like they're in a safe environment because as someone who's gone through workplace bullying, I think this is an issue that needs to be definitely tackled and we speak about that a little bit in this podcast episode. But I was also really, really lucky to be on Lizzie's podcast, um, the Make It Thrive podcast, which is all about how to have a better workplace culture, what to do if you, um, you know, want some tips and motivation around how to be happier at work and just to feel like you're in a workplace that is not only happy, but the company culture within that organization is really, really helping you. So um, I really, really hope that you enjoy this episode because we speak about some really, really interesting things, not just about work culture itself. You find out more about what Lizzie does. You find out more about, you know, what she thinks because she she's an expert in this area um, around what we could be doing to have better, deeper conversations around mental health in the workplace. So without further ado, I am going to pass you along to her. But this is a really, really special one for me, not just because of the work that Lizzie does, but because there are a lot of issues in here that I think pretty much every single client of mine who is unhappy at work comes comes to me with. So enjoy. So hello, everybody. I have the wonderful Lizzie with me here today. Hi, Lizzie. It's lovely to have you with us today. Hi, Soma, and thank you for inviting me. Not a problem, not a problem at all. So um, I was actually on Lizzie's podcast not so long ago, the Make It Thrive podcast, um, and we had a lovely old natter about sort of um, workplace bullying and uh, HR and what to do if the company culture within your organisation isn't a good thing. Um, and that was really, really enjoyable. And Lizzie has a wonderful podcast. Um, so today, what I thought would be really, really useful, obviously, I know what you do. But firstly, <laughs> I thought it'd be really, really helpful for the listeners, if you could just share a little bit more about what you do in your business and what your organisation Liberty Mind actually is. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> so Liberty Mind is my my own business and I go into businesses to help them improve their company culture 
So I go in and do workshops and consultancy to essentially help them create a happier and healthier place for people to work. And it's something that I do across the UK. It kind of takes me all over the place. And it's definitely something that I see as a growing area of need, um, especially with organisations that are growing. And I suppose with the, the complex needs of all of us human beings that we need in the workplace. So, yeah, I thoroughly enjoy it, especially because it has a lot to do with helping people as well. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of kind of like how did the idea or motivation come behind Liberty Mind um, kind of how did it start then into a business how was it created that's a very good question um, I suppose it's a bit of a mixed one so my background um, was in operations anyway okay. so I did a lot of um, people uh, kind of leadership and um, supporting people in the workplace and it was just always a, a big passion of mine to sort of help people and working with people. Like I absolutely love working with people um, and they are, you know, the, the absolute backbone of a business. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suppose my main driver for it, even though I'm a big people person is also from some of my personal experiences. So I've, you know, I'm sure we've all worked in places that haven't been so great and wish we could have done something to change it. And I've also had friends and still have friends that absolutely hate where they work. Um, You know, I once had a friend who was so upset about having to go back to work after being off ill for quite Mm. some time that she was just like, honestly, Lizzie, I want to throw myself down the stairs. I don't want to go back. And she was just in sobs of tears. And I thought, gosh, Mm. you know, how has a workplace got so bad that somebody wants to throw themselves down the stairs in order not to go to work I thought that's pretty diabolical mm-hmm. and so I suppose it's kind of a bit of a mission really that I want to make make workplaces where people want to work and want to enjoy being and feel like they can thrive and be their best selves and um, so I suppose that's also a bit of where my drive comes from. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we when we first spoke before you initially um, interviewed me on your podcast we had that common thread in common you know wanting to help people but also wanting to make people feel happier at work and also just feel more comfortable at work because I think that's a it's a big problem at the moment isn't it and why do you think then like company culture more than ever is such an important aspect of us being happy at work absolutely it's a good question (laughs) so I think culture is such a huge sort of part of a business because a lot of people when they think about company culture they think about the work perks or the social events Mm -hmm. and while they're all really good fun and you know they give us a little bit of a break from the actual task at hand they don't often you know support us in some of the massive areas of our lives so I think you know we're becoming more aware as as even humans of um our our actual needs that you know the workplace has to support us Mm. um you know we all have people that we need to care for whether that's children or our parents or other loved ones in our lives and you know we now need work to work for us um, that's fundamentally what it's about and more workplaces and organizations need to shift that mindset that 
it's actually about creating a space where people can thrive and can work because people want to work Mm -hmm. but there's so many policies or rigid structures that stop people from working which is a real shame yeah 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 and it's quite interesting what you're saying because a lot of the work that I do with my clients as a careers advisor it is really holistic and it's looking at those elements the family then being a working mum all of those threads that I think with the kind of overall happiness at work it seems to be missing right now wouldn't wouldn't you agree a little bit there I would actually. I think especially in the UK, we're still a little bit behind in Mm. our ideas about work. We still separate work and life. There's still a lot of organisations that expect you to leave your life at the door and come in and act like a robot, which (laughs) just isn't possible Um, because we all have feelings and emotions and stuff happens. Stuff happens at work, stuff happens at home. Mm -hmm. Um, And unfortunately, I think we're still in quite an outdated mindset. It's very hierarchical. Um, A lot of ego comes involved. You know, um, you get organisations where uh, leadership are running different hours that the, Mm. the core team are. So there's a lot of um, unfairness in the workplace still. Um, so it, it is something that it's almost, I think, coming from the industrial revolution and the manufacturing era of, you know, factory workers. I think we're still kind of a little bit probably in a hangover from that period. Mm-hmm. We really need to get out of out of that legacy mindset and start shifting our ideas about the workplace. Yeah, no, I I see that a lot as well with a lot of the women I speak to, especially in the higher positions or the women who, you know, want to get pay rise and promotion. They're scared because of the amount of work they're going to be given and they're scared about how they're going to balance everything. So when I was on your podcast, we touched on quite a lot around workplace bullying and um, Mm -hmm. it's a topic that comes up a lot not just with my clients but just with the people I speak to um, Lizzie and I'm sure it's something that you come across as well in the work you do right Um, and what do you feel could be done to improve how workplace bullying is handled in the workplace at the moment? That's such a difficult one because it's it's so much about how I suppose the organization is treating employees. And the first thing that always comes down to you is what kind of attitudes and behaviors are they encouraging within the workplace? So too many organizations, again, are still doing that whole competitive dog eat dog kind of environment where they're actually almost nurturing a culture of competitiveness, of belittling mm-hmm. of one, one person is better than the other. Um, And that can unfortunately a lot of the time result in people being bullied either consciously or unconsciously Mm. because sometimes bullying the the bullier might not even be realizing they're doing it just the culture there within so it can come across as I hate the word but banter or you know um, people can sort of say offhand comments because that's the kind of culture that's been established so the first thing first place it has to start with is what kind of you know attitudes and behaviors is that company encouraging for starters completely um and then when it comes to you know dealing with that conflict itself i think it has to be a real um 
you know, people to people discussion, I think you need to get both sides of the story because in some instances that person might not even know that they're, they're coming across in a bullying way. Yeah. Um, so it's important to make sure that, you know, you don't just bring someone in for bullying and then also have almost an, an emotional <laughs> trauma because they don't realize they're, they're doing it. So you have to tread so carefully, but yeah. it is very much about, you know, nurturing people, to be more kind and authentic in the workplace rather than this competitiveness and you know it's it's a role of HR essentially to to stamp out that kind of behavior and those attitudes Mm. Um, but as well it also has to come from leadership because if the HR person is saying oh we shouldn't be doing this but leadership are still acting in that way then other people are still just going to follow the leader as as they say yeah no definitely there's a lot of really really um in a way sensitive and empathetic advice uh there lizzie because it is quite a um a tough subject so i really appreciate you sharing your wisdom around that and kind of giving some tips there that can really really help people who need it so what do you think then because burnout is another hot topic that kind of comes up a lot (laughs) yes (laughs) you're nodding your head especially (laughs) women that i help and especially i'm sure with a lot of the people that you help in the workplace lizzie I mean, what do you think employers can do to help with anyone who is suffering from burnout? And why do you think it's taken such a long time for people to recognise it's actually a problem in the workplace more than ever? Definitely. It's one of those things where, again, as a society, we have a really bad habit of seeing busy um and you know oh I'm so everyone always says oh, I'm so busy <laughs> yeah it's you know it's like a badge of honor isn't it you know um we we have to say we're busy but unfortunately I think it's really doing us a disservice because being busy all the time and and constantly being well I always say human doings rather than human beings I love that. means we're we're often just completely frazzled by it. And, you know, we don't just fill our work lives up with stuff. We fill our, our, our lives up with stuff as well. You know, all the demands and responsibilities. And it, I think as well, and I mean, I'm, I know social media has a lot to blame for these days, <laughs> but I am going to say social media is also in the mix because, you know, there's so much pressure to live a certain way, to have a certain lifestyle, to look a certain way. There's never been such a time, I don't think, where we're under so much pressure from each other to, you know, live up to certain expectations. And that can also make us do things we don't really want to do, join clubs, go to the gym, whatever it is we're not really enjoying, but we feel like we have to be part of that. So I think a lot of it sort of stems from this societal kind of pressure big time. But then I also think that within a culture, again, it's, it's looking at the work that you put on people and also recognizing the kind of hours that people are putting in because I, I mean, I know I spoke to, it's funny. I, I spoke to a, a, a operations director a few weeks ago mm. who said to me, Oh, you know, I tell them all the time to take a lunch break, you know, cause I said, you know, are they using their lunch break? This is really important time. And he said, oh, I tell them all the time to use their lunch break, but they never do it. And I said, do you take a lunch break? Oh no, but I've got all this stuff to do. <laughs> I was like, well, there's your answer. Your yeah. team are not going to take a lunch break if your leadership aren't taking a lunch break. Mm. Uh, you know, we we feel like that's um, you know, an 
uh, almost like an unspoken expectation yeah, yeah. so yeah. if if all if your leadership are, are eating their lunch through their work mm. it's almost like oh gosh we should all do that too mm. so unfortunately it's an unspoken expectation um, and it's those types of things that people don't even realize they're doing in the workplace yeah mm-hmm. and that's that's really really interesting because I think I remember when I used to work, especially because I used to work in education, I used to work in a lot of schools and colleges, the lunchtime was always set and everybody would just go on lunch. So it would just kind of be the norm. So I've never ever thought of it that way. But I think it's really interesting you say that because this eating at the lunch culture is also part of that burnout because you're not taking out that 20 minutes or that half an hour that you need to step away from the desk where you're not in work mode, right? And that's, and I think that's something that when people will listen to this episode, you know, maybe if, if they're doing it subconsciously, perhaps they need to be thinking about better habits at work as well. So thank you for sharing that. I think that's really, really important to uh, note, Lizzie. Thanks for sharing that. Um, no so problem. what, so the, kind of asking more around redundancy, because I'm sure you come across lots of different environments. You've worked in lots of different cultures. I mean, the experience that you've had, and I've been through this myself, and I know that some of our listeners are going through this. What support and advice would you give to someone who is at risk of redundancy or about to be made redundant and is worried about leaving a stable job and going into a good work environment? Because for a lot of people, it's a huge concern. Yes, no, absolutely. And I, I, I can fully vouch for that as well, because mm. I've been made redundant twice in my high, entire career. And there were two very redif- different redundancies as well, because not all redundancies are the yeah. same. Um, so I can completely empathise with people that are going through that, because it is quite a traumatic experience, because mm. it's not just that you know, we lose a little bit of our identity when we become made redundant because we tie our identity so much to our job role and our career. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's who we are. Uh, when in reality, we are much more diverse people than just our job role. Um, and we have to kind of learn to detach slightly from that. But I think it's really important that you see it as an opportunity. This is what I always say to people, use any kind of you know, we all see it as a trauma or life experience, actually as an opportunity for growth. Um, because it's something as well that I think can help to mould you or, or move you into a new direction. You know, as they say, as one door closes, another door opens. Mm-hmm. And I'm a firm believer in that. And especially if, you know, you are thinking, oh, I'm worried about going into another organisation. There's always things to sort of look at, you know, when you're going to a new company to to work out if the culture is right for you as well because just the way we're all different company cultures are completely different as well and there's no right culture there's no such thing as right or wrong culture it's just different um, mm-hmm. each culture serves a business in a different way and it's about finding the culture where you feel you can be supported and thrive mm-hmm. and enjoy it so I always say to sort of people when they're looking at going into another organization after being made redundant is actually to, well, first of all, really think about where they want to be, what kind of role organization they want to work for and always 
whatever you do like during that interview process ask as many questions about the company culture as possible so you know what does your day-to-day role look like could you possibly meet some of the people you're actually going to work with because nine times out of ten people are interviewed by the founder or the HR manager and never see the people they're actually going to work with how do they know they're going to gel or actually get on when the people in that team are the people you're going to work with for the next, you know, eight hours of your life <laughs> every single day. Yeah. So it's always good to sort of ask questions like that. And also, you know, ask questions about the values and the behavior and the expectations, because that really sets a precedent, I think, for you to fully understand if, if you like that company culture, because, you know, in interviews, of it's it's so common you're putting on your best yeah you know, show so is the company they're trying to look like the best place to work so it's trying to get under that and really see you know whether what what it's about and whether you really want to be there because even in the language they use you'll be able to pick up oh actually I'm not sure whether it's the right place because they said this in a bit yes. of an odd way and that makes me think negatively so yes. you can just pick up by gut instinct by some of the answers to your questions whether that's the place you want to be yeah yeah it's, it's, it's interesting you say that because I had a, a bit of an experience like that where I went for a job interview a long time ago <laughs> and I picked up something I didn't get the job but the point was I picked up something in the interview with the language where they're a little mm. bit they were a little bit just I knew I wasn't gonna be able to work there I just had a vibe yeah. and I think really useful you sharing that Lizzie because I think a lot of people sometimes they ignore that vibe and they take the job yes and then it's yeah. not for them is it no definitely we we at the moment we tend to do this thing where we we try and follow our head a lot so we always mm. go try and be really logical about things oh but the money's going to be good and it looks like a nice place to work and but in a, we we ignore our gut instinct the yeah. human part of us the most the oldest part of us that that just knows we all get that gut instinct mm. um, in our bellies when something's right or wrong and yeah. we need to learn to like tap into that a bit better yeah no i think that's that's very very um useful and i think with redundancy what you said also about you do lose a part of yourself i lost a part of myself when i went through redundancy and that was kind of what cat catapulted me to start my business weirdly enough so yes you never know what doors it could open really absolutely um so thank you for sharing that um so I have had some clients who've come to me Lizzie who have experienced dismissal in the workplace and this hasn't always impacted on their career because they're normally quite positive and go-getting but what support do you think should be available to anyone who is going through this and is impacted by this, especially if it holds them back in, you know, going further through their career? Mm, Absolutely. I think like you say, when it comes to dismissal is sometimes you're just not the right fit for that business. It's just as simple as that. You know, um, for example, I'm a very, um, I wouldn't say outspoken. I'm very confident yeah uh, woman and I'm generally um quite colorful I'm quite creative I would not fit into an accountancy firm (laughs) do you know what I mean it's like my character the the way I think I'm quite aspirational inspirational kind of person I I'm very future focused so sitting there doing data entry in an organization would not work for me um so I think sometimes it's about looking at okay maybe 
I was a round peg in a square hole, you know, mm-hmm. maybe actually, and, and be open and honest about that in the interview, like actually that culture wasn't right for me. I'm now looking for somewhere that is going to fit with what my beliefs and values as well, because there's nothing wrong with actually using that as, as a leverage, as a, as something to, as a platform to, to, to be honest to your future employer. And actually it almost ignites that conversation about the culture even more so mm. um, because, you know, you're actually saying, well, yes, you know, there, there were things that weren't great, that didn't make me feel like I fit in there, whatever it may be. And instead as well, sort of use that opportunity to, you know, reflect on that experience almost because if it if it is something where you know, for example, your character or your personality or your motivations are are different from the business, then that's where it's a great, it's great to get to know yourself even better. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I always sort of praise sort of doing any kind of self-development or personal development in regards to understanding your character profile better or your motivations, because I think it can actually help you navigate into the role that's right for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's that's really interesting can I just ask an add-on to that then Lizzie because one of the things that you said is about personality and things like that but what if it is and this is a bit of a controversial question but I'm gonna <laughs> ask because I'm sure I'm sure you have come across this what if, what if it is the person isn't doing the work they're just simply coming to work and they're just not doing the work what kind of advice would you give because sometimes they're doing the guarding outside of them. I'll ignore that um, <laughs> sometimes it can be that the person might have a learning disability or there's something else going on there I mean what has been the experience in terms of when you've gone to leaders and they've had to dismiss somebody what what do you think could be advised to somebody who's in that situation yeah absolutely it's difficult because like you say when I've sort of been in those environments or been in those kind of conversations with people, I've, I've always wanted to know there must be a reason why mm. this person is being let go. A bigger reason, a much yeah. bigger reason. Cause for example, if someone's not doing the work, then there's yeah. a reason they're not doing the work either. Um, you know, like you said, there, there's a learning disability or even for example, I've had it in organizations where, the person was told they were going to be trained Hmm. um, to a certain level and they were going to have mentoring. So they were kind of almost um, carrot dangled into this new role. um, And all of a sudden they're in this new role. They don't actually know how to do it. They've kind of been, you know, encouraged to take it because they're going to have this training and this mentoring. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden that doesn't actually come to fruition and they're being pulled up because they're not actually doing the work or achieving the results and it's like well hang on a minute you kind of promised all these things to support them and you haven't and that's why they're now disengaged and they don't Mm. trust you because you haven't actually fulfilled what what you said you were going to say so it then comes down to a trust issue which ultimately when trust is broken between any relationship as we know it's it's very very hard to fix almost impossible I would say it's, it's really interesting you mentioned that, Lizzie, because I, I just want to point something out. Um, years ago, I was working in a temp job and I was actually in a very similar position. I was told wow. that I had to have extra mentoring and things like that. It wasn't that I wasn't performing in the job. It's that I hadn't been given a proper induction. Mm. 
Yeah. So when my manager called me up on all these tasks that I should have magically known, um, it wasn't a careers advice job. It was something completely different. When she confronted me, I said to her, well, you haven't taught me how to do any of these things. I'm having to learn myself and I haven't been able to approach you or approach anyone else. And she was actually getting people to watch me at work, which was quite intimidating. And I felt really, really uncomfortable. Wow. And it was only until I had that discussion with her, she was then able to see, oh, actually, I haven't given Sean the time she needed to settle into this role. And I think discussions like that are so important, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, following through with those expectations. And as well, if, if I always say, if you ever are struggling with anything, then ask for help or speak Mm. to someone because it's much better you sort of highlighting that to leadership or management than then seeing it as your fault later on down the line yeah actually you're kind of picking you know highlighting to them oh guys just to let you know you you promised this or you know I'm struggling with this you know is there any sort of learning and development that we can do and I think there needs to be a much more proactive approach, especially even by people in workplaces, because mm-hmm. we all have a voice and we almost forget it when yes. we're in the workplace. And for some reason, you know, if we don't get, you know, the role of leadership or the role of manager, we, we feel like we're not allowed to say anything. Yeah. But, but actually we are allowed to say something. <laughs> Each of our roles is integral to that business, no matter how much power it holds or whatever your belief is. Um, mm. Actually, you know, there's, there's a huge credibility behind you saying something because you can say th- see things in the business they can't from where mm. they are. So it's really important that that communication is completely embedded through everyone to be open and honest about things that are going on. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that because I think it will help a lot of people who maybe are scared to speak up or scared to say, oh, actually, you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of plodding along, but I'm actually struggling a little bit. I'm really, really struggling. I don't know what to do. So kind of tying in with that a little bit, because you said something really, really um, pivotal at the beginning when you were talking about, you know, we go into work and we expect it to kind of be like robots and just get on with it. (laughs) One of the countries that really fascinates me in terms of their work culture is, is Japan. Mm. Um, and, you know, Japan is known for having this really, really tough work culture yeah. with many people being overworked. Um, the, the term Kuroshi, you know, death yeah. by overwork, which I'm sure you've heard of. Yeah. But why do you think some countries globally more than others don't want to address like company culture or, or see it kind of, as less as a priority than actual work itself. Mm, that's a really good point because there are so many companies, countries, sorry, doing it right and what I believe is right. And I think some countries that are still quite far behind. Um, mm. So there, there are still, you know, places like you say, Japan, um, you know, America still working a dreadful um, work week. Um, And they are still very outdated in their approach to the company culture. Mm. So there are lots of places that are still far behind. And even there are places that are doing incredibly like, you know, Denmark and the Netherlands and Scandinavian Mm. countries are really changing the workplace. 
but I think again it's it's down to I think I suppose our legacy and our um almost I suppose our mindset to culture because it it's almost institutionalized so the way we think about company culture traditionally is a little bit like a hierarchy yeah and that falls from you know when we had kings and queens then we had the military where you've got you know um, governors and captains and things like that and then we've kind of used all of those traditional sort of institutionalized concepts and then kind of put them into the workplace to think, oh, well, that works for that or, you know, that institution. So it should be able to work for our company. Mm. So it's almost like we've taken this blueprint of what we think work should be like and, and used it for years and years and years without ever questioning why. Mm. Um, and I think that's the big thing is some of these countries don't have enough innovation or creativity to ask the big why no one's asking why we're doing things these way this way um, and a lot of those countries as well still have very hierarchical um nationalities so you know mm -hmm. here in the uk we have a very hierarchical um culture <coughs> um i mean I'm, there's nothing wrong with the royal family but the royal family is still very present within our culture mm -hmm. um government a lot of people in government are from um you know uh very well-off backgrounds yeah. they've all been to certain universities mm -hmm. and you know there's not the everyday joe in there sort of telling them like it is and fortunately it's still very um you know outdated hierarchical yeah. and so i think our country as well as japan and, and other countries that still have this almost hierarchy in their culture mm -hmm. put that into the workplace and and don't question why why are these people in power or why are we doing it even with a hierarchy? What's that all about? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it kind of comes from this really outdated societal concept. Yeah. Um, and I think it's going to take us a while, even in the UK to change it because even our, you know, a lot of our people in our people in the UK government don't, mm -hmm have no idea what it's what it's like for for real people in real working families to juggle a full-time job and all the responsibilities that are needed in everyday life um and and you know they've even not really looking properly at flexible working policies it's kind of a yeah. oh we'll, we'll do this just to kind of shut everybody up but you know it's not you, you can have it if you want it but you don't have to have it <laughs> so, so there's no like real enforcement there's no like come on let's make people more productive and happier and healthier because then ultimately we're going to have a better economy yeah. um there's no kind of common sense around it it's just all oh, best not upset anybody <laughs> I, I do really agree with you on that one. I think I think definitely there could be a, a lot more done, and that's kind of why you know people like us are trying to help so many people be either happy at work or have happier work cultures. But thank you like so much for sharing everything that you shared with us today, Lizzie. It's been lovely uh, speaking with you today. Thanks for your time. Oh no, thank you. I've absolutely loved it. <laughs> Oh, you've been wonderful. Thank you so much. And uh, I really appreciate you being with us today. Thanks a lot. Oh, thank Bye. you so much. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. 
If you want more valuable content around your career and how you can be career happy, why not sign up to the Career Happiness Newsletter? All the details are in the show notes. And I'd really appreciate it if you could support the podcast by subscribing to it. Thanks again.